Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. The Shabbos is the famous Shabbos, Shabbos Nachmu. Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami. Apologize for the noise. Nachmu Nachmu Ami Ami Amar Alikechem. Can we go one year without telling the story of Shabbos Nachmu? I'm afraid I'm going to have to. I'm going to skip this year the story of Shabbos Nachmu and Hershlos Tepolya. Um. Tomorrow by Mincha, we'll omit Tachnun. No Tachnun is said tomorrow Mincha because <coughs> it is a Mincha prior to Tuba of. Lehoyim Tevim Lisal Kamishvasabav, the Mishnah says, there was no holidays like the 15th day of Av. When the Mishnah, although we've discussed it many times, we'll discuss it tonight as well. Um, and of course the Shabbos Pashas Vaz Hanan once again takes to pleading to the Almighty asking for the Almighty's compassion to allow him to enter into the Holy Land of Israel And we've mentioned many times that the, the word Veschanan is Gematria 515, numerical value 515, excuse me, which teaches us, tells us that Meshach Rabbeinu said 515 tefillahs to be allowed to enter into the Holy Land of Israel. Unfortunately, he was only given a glimpse of the Holy Land. Vayetzchanan is also given out to be a 5.15 and the first one tell us, the message says that 515 Shemites after this tefillah took place the world can exist only that amount of years. In other words, Meshach Rabbeinu was talking in the year 2488. Shemitah is seven years. 515 sets of seven plus the 2488 is 6093. No, I did not do that math in my head. I knew it from beforehand. Um, the year 6093 is the amount of years the world could possibly exist without Chas Hashanah Mashiach coming after 6,093 years Mashiach must come or the world will no longer be able to exist obviously this year is being 5,776 it's a couple of years off still but we don't anticipate that we have to have some wait that long we hope that this Shabbos yet 
we will see the Necham of Nachmu Nachmu Ami. The Haftarah, of course, is the Haftarah, the name Pashas Nachmu. It is the beginning of seven Shabbosis, known as Shiva the Nechemta. Seven Shabbosis, where the Haftarah, the Navi, talks about condolence for the Jews. Thank you. That works. Um, Shabbos Nachmu is a turning point always in the summer. Everybody makes it their business to go away Shabbos Nachmu. So if you're going anywhere, get an early start. When you're coming back, get a late start. Traffic is usually horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even a Kabbalistic explanation to that. It's a downright simple thing. Traffic is bad. Um, what else is it? Two nineteen a gallon. The the seven weeks of the Chama, which take place now after the three weeks of mourning, <coughs> starting of course with the Shabbos after the Shabbat. Veschanan. Also has the Aseris Adibris. Today's Chitas actually. And the various changes, differences. The way it is written in Pashas Yisrael and in Pashas Vezchanan. One of the more outstanding differences with Rosh Shabbos. Zohar is in Shabbos the Kachin and Shomar is in Shabbos the Kachin. Remember it, but to keep it. One in Yisrael says it one way, and Rishan in a different. They're both the Asadis Adibris, the both Ten Commandments. How then would it be possible a discrepancy? Either God said, okay, let's see if this is going to work. Either God said, it doesn't work. I thought I updated it. Either God said Zachar is Yemeshabu Zakatri or that God said Shamar is Yemeshabu Zakatri. How is it
How is it that the two of them are the words of God? They're mentioned in the Seder Sadim, the Ten Commandments. Now, many different parts of the Torah, people like the Hashem fiddle with, shall we say. To use this way, to use it that way, to say something this way. This is yes what it means, this is not what it means. <clears throat> but the Ten Commandments, the Seder Sadibris, there's no right or left. God said the Ten Commandments. Anaycha Hashem Lekecha, where do we get the discrepancy of Shabbos? Now, of course, the Tamid Chamim listening to this Shia are saying, hurry up, we all know Zacher and Shama B'dibur Echad. David said Zacher and Shamar in one breath. Not one breath. In one word. Now, I'd like to really pose that question to those people that are aware of that, that the Almighty mentioned Zachar and Shamar together. How does that work? When you have a, a beautiful singer performing, singing something beautiful, in order to enhance the music, you have harmony. When they started doing recordings in the 1930s, making records yet, they figured out They could put on the same tape, on the same record, the same track, two different recordings. We have a Marshal Chazan Meshe Kasevitsky sings a piece, and he himself harmonizes himself. And you listen to it. And you hear him harmonizing. Talking back in the 40s, the 50s. Today there's voiceover, there's this, there's Jens. You can do everything today. But to think that the technology was still so advanced at that time when they were making records to play on a record player. Very, very interesting to note. So you hear the one cousin singing two voices. The regular voice, the regular voice, and the harmony. But I hear two voices. I hear two different things. I hear the melody and I hear the harmony. I hear them together. But I hear them, I can also, I don't need a mixer, 
I don't need any great technology to separate the voices. My ears can take it. Or my one ear, actually. Zachar and Shama B'dibarechot. And on the other hand, what would be so wrong if the Abish said, Zachar, Shamar, the same as Shabbos Akachi? Why do we use the concept of Bidiburachot? That he said it in one voice, one word, one, one pronunciation. What does that do for us? What does that accomplish? fact is Elekim is Gematria HaTeva God's name has the same numerical value as the word the nature God disguises everything that one could think it happened according to nature. A natural act, a natural existence, a natural happening, happening or a natural mishappening. Do I have to attribute it always to divine providence? Must I always attribute it to something that has to do with divinity, with godliness. To know that water flows downhill and fire rises up. The nature of water rolls down and the nature of fire rises. If you have a house with two floors, and you put on the air conditioner upstairs, the downstairs will feel it. If you have a house with two floors, and you put on the heating downstairs, the upstairs will feel it. But if you put the heating on upstairs, the downstairs would not feel it. Very unlikely. And when you put the air conditioning on downstairs it's very unlikely that the upstairs is going to be cooled as well. Because cold goes down and heat rises. A natural phenomenon. According to nature, that's how it works. Because Elikim is Gematria Hateva. By the Abish saying Zohar and Shomer, and keeping them as two separate entities, then the Almighty is taking the mind of the human being and giving him an opening, giving him a space to think. First let us examine what are Zohar and Shamar. What is the difference between remembering Shabbos and keeping Shabbos. The simple muscle is brought 
by the two types of people. There were two brothers, Yisachar and Zvulun. Smach Zvulun b'tseisecha v'yisachar b'elecha. Zvulun was happy with going out to work. Yisachar was happy with sitting and learning Teda. Why was Yisachar able to sit and learn Teda? Because Zvulun supported him. Zvulun worked enough to make himself money and the money for the Torah scholar. In that way also, Zvulun had an actual part of Yisachar's schus. The merits that Yisachar managed to acquire by his study of Teda, Zvulun supporting him without sitting down by a table and learning Teda himself, had a merit of study of, study of Teda. So these are the two types of Jews that there are. The Jew that goes to physically work, manually, and the Jew that sits, Yeshev Eil, and sits and studies Teda all day long. What does he live off if he's not working? In a practical sense, the average layman looks and says, I'm sorry. It doesn't sit with me. It doesn't speak to me. You belong going to work. Don't ask me to go to work while you're sitting and studying there. The average layman would say as such to the average bentator. The bentator, during the time when he's supposed to be sitting and learning, is with a coffee and a cigarette on the phone. When that's your bentator, you, a philanthropist, don't feel comfortable with it. But if you walk into the bentator's house at 4.30 in the morning and he's sitting there diligently studying, and then, because of your insomnia, you walk into his house at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, and see him diligently studying, knowing that he's diligently studying on two, three, four hours of sleep a night. And during the day, he's like, Pasuk Pumya Megirsa. He, except for davening and eating something, which he doesn't take advantage of when it comes to eating, he might not take advantage, but he might indulge in his twila. He might sit and daven for an hour, chakras, hour and a half chakras. But that's not because he wants to get away from learning chashon. It's because that's how a Jew really has to daven. should take an hour and a half chakras. From Birchus HaShachar until the end of Tehillim. 
we say in Chabad, we say the Yishir Shayim of Tehillim. Tehillim is divided into 30 days. So we say the day of the month. Um, when the philanthropist, the philanthropist comes in, sees a person like this. His I want to enter into the partnership with him. I want to do Yisachar's wound with him. The truth to be told, my dear Mr. Philanthropist, it's not your money. It's Hashem's money. Hashem has all the money, all the gold, all the silver. The Akesef, the Azov, says God. You philanthropists are his banker right now. And the proof is, how many times have we seen people go from rag to riches and from riches to rag? Chmon al on the second one. It happens that all of a sudden a person with nothing to his name one day wakes up the next morning as a multimillionaire. How did it happen? Where did it come from? You can interpret it. This bag just happened to show up on his desk, on his front, on his front steps, full of money. Um, some random person passed away and named him as his heir. Or whatever way it might be. But God sees to it that the money needs to be at this person's place. That's where it goes. In that case, Mr. Philanthropist, understand that when you're taking into this partnership of Yisak and Zvulun, you're doing what you're supposed to do with God's money, which you're right now in charge of officially. The Yisachar that goes out to work and puts in six days a week, puts in blood, sweat, and tears. He earns a nice living. A very nice living. He's very comfortable. He lacks nothing. He can even go on vacation four or five times a year. But when he works... His heart and soul is in that job. Come Shabbos. Ah, the day of rest. I'm not working today. I don't have to work today. I'm not allowed to work today. I can rest. says the Tater. Remember, this is Shabbos for being sanctification. This has nothing, this is not your day off. You are obligated to Sheshish Yom Tavit. You have a mitzvah 
to work those six days. That seventh day is a day for God. It's a day for you to make your devotions, to devote yourself to more time for davening, more time for learning, which you don't have during the week because you're so busy with all your other worldly things. Come Shabbos, but Shabbos, but Menucha. But Shabbos comes, and we need to keep it holy. Look at the Talmud Chacham, though. That God-fearing man, who studies Torah day and night, and davens with a minion, ba'arichos, a long shmanesei, It comes Shabbos, Friday night. And they say, the Hashem, and he sits there and he in bliss with the spirituality of the Shabbos Queen. But in essence, aside from the fact that he changed his garment, from his weekday garment to his Shabbos garment, maybe his hat to his trimal. Aside from that, I'll eat my Sudha Shabbos, I'll make my Kiddush, I'll make my Amaytzi, I'll bench and I'll sit down to study Teda. In the winter nights I have many more hours to do so. And in the summer days, I have many more hours to do so. So I sat and learned on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I sat and learned on Shabbos as well. Sel tells us the Tata, excuse me, keep Shabbos holy. Shabbos is not a continuation of the week. You need to feel both at your Shabbos table, your Shabbos meal, and in your shul, in your davenings, in your learning, you need to feel Shabbos Hayyim. Today is the glorious, beautiful day of Shabbos. So the Tate in essence tells us one time Zohar is a Shabbos, one time Shabbos is a Shabbos. For Yisachar and Fizvulun, reminding them both, they need to keep the Shabbos holy because it is Shabbos, not because it is convenient, or, on the other hand, not just that it happens to come on the seventh day of the week of the cycle, which I, anyway, am keeping all seven days on even par, even plain, studying and learning and davening. Says the Rebbe, "Shomer v'zocher b'dibur echad." You should not think that Shabbos is only for you because it's holier, because you're keeping it, because it's the seventh day of your week, of learning, studying Torah. You should not think of Shabbos being holy because you're no not working on this day, and therefore you're going to make a little bit of devotions, a little bit of study of Torah, and you're going to daven a little longer. 
you should not think that yours is greater than yours, nor yours is greater than yours. And therefore, bedibur echad. Therefore, the Almighty says that in one, the message to the person that whether you are the zacher, whether you are the shomer of Shabbos, it's bedibur echad. It was said in one thing. An interesting thing in the parashas is also the Shema and the Hafta. In the Shema, we have another difference between the Shema, the Hafta, and the Vahayim Shemaya. A minor tweak, but a difference nonetheless. In Shema, the Hafta, it talks about the teaching of children and then the putting on the donning of the twillin. In the parsha of Ahayim Shemaya, it talks about the donning of the twillin and then the teaching of the children. Why would the Torah reverse the two? This is a very, very integral message for each and every father in Klal Yisrael. No matter how old you are or how young you are as a father. The Torah tells us that both before Ukshar Tamliyais, before Bar Mitzvah, you need to, you need to teach them. And even after Ukshar Tamliyayisayadchem, even after they put on tefillin, after you said that bracha by the Torah with such great zealousness, you are not finished educating. You are never, as a father, finished educating your child. Education is something that is constant and perpetual. And as long as you are a father to your children, you need to be constantly educating your children. And the Namba mentions that mitzvah tefillin, tefillin shayad and tefillin sheresh, the hand tefillin and the head tefillin. The Namba mentions first about the head tefillin, and then about the hand tefillin. And when he counts the mitzvahs. In the beginning of Hilchas Tefillin, and in the Halachas of Hilchas Tefillin, each time he mentions Sharesh before the Shayad, the head Tefillin before the Shayad, the hand. All the commentaries are confused. The Torah tells us, first about the hand Tefillin, then about the head. It's clearly, in the Pasuk it says it stated that way. And we put on the Sharad first, and then the Shalish. If you keep your score at home, the famous Gemara Menachas Lamezal Menalaf. The reason I say it's the famous Gemara, 
That's the Gemara that all the Bamitsa boys have their pilpul on. The Gemara, Mesechus, Menachus, Davlamet, Vava, Menal, Zog, and it talks about Hilkus Tzil. So why does the Rambam first put the Tzil and Sharesh, and then the Tzil and Shayat? One of the commentaries on the Rambam is a commentary known as Tzafnas Baneach. In the Tzafnas Baneach on the Rambam, he says there's a difference between Tzvilin Shalyad and Tzvilin Shalesh. When it comes to Tzvilin Shalyad, the mitzvah is Ukshartom. You need to tie it, you need to make the knot, the kshira. Now the truth to be told, in Chabad, when we put on the tzvil shayad, we tie, we close the knot. When we take off the tzvil and we put it away, we open, we loosen the knot. It's like a slip knot. And when we put on the tzvil again, we lock, we tie the knot again. We close it. So we make the ukshartam. By the Shoresh, on the other hand, the idea is the Shoresh should just be on your head. There's no major, I mean, you got to put it straight and you got to put it on your head. But there's no actual action being done to the actual Twillin except that it's being placed on your head. And we find the basis to this in the Torah. It says simply, Tie it on your hand. It should be as a sign on your head, in your eyes. By Tzvilin Shalyad, the Torah tells us about an action of tying it. And Tzvilin Shalyad, it just says it should be there. But the truth is, the difference between Tzvilin Shalyad and Tzvilin Shalyad is not just the actual mitzvah, the actual essence of the mitzvah. If it needs to be tied, if it needs to be placed. But the time of the mitzvah also. The Tzvil Shalyad is a mitzvah of Kshira and Anacha. And this has to be done only when you're tying it. You can't just place it on your hand if it's not tied on. The mitzvah is that it should be on your head. We find every single second that a person has it on, he's doing the mitzvah. The tefillin shayad, you tied it, you made the brach on it, and you did that mitzvah. Now you wrapped it around your hand, it's there. Fartik. Are you doing any other action with the tefillin shayad? No. Sometimes, occasionally, straighten out the straps; they get they get loose or whatever. But the actual mitzvah of tzilin shiyat is only when you make the not make the bracha. Mashenki tzilin shalish. Every second that it's sitting on your head, you be making the mitzvah. Every second that tzilin shalish is on your head, you have the vahoyu l'tetevus berenacha. Is it there? Yes. Is it there? Yes. The fact that you have to put on also the shayad 
It's only because it has to be Shtayim. Again, the Gemara Menach Islam, the Bible says that Kolzman, Shebeinei Necha, Yushtayim. As long as the Tfilin is Beinei Necha, there needs to be two parts of the Tfilin. Because it says that Kshartim Le'ois Ayyadecha, so one of the Pshatim is, Ois is a sign, but Ois is also Lashon Yachid. It's singular. Vahayulit Taitafais Beinei Necha, Taitafais Lashon Rabbim. It's plural. And therefore, as long as you're wearing the Sharesh, you need to have two on. You need to have your Shayat and the Sharesh. Therefore, we put on the Shayat first, and we take off the Sharesh first. Because the Sharesh cannot be there as long as the Shayat is not there. So we need to have two. So the mitzvah of the shayad is only a prat, only a small part of the mitzvah of the shareish. Which is, as long as it's on your eye, on your head, between your eyes, it needs to be two. So now we understand what the Ramam is getting at. Why he brings the shareish before the shayad. And this is a taken of Sefer Ahava. Which it incorporates, of course, the mitzvah, which is tadides, which is more often. Mitzvahs that are more often, that are done more often, we're commanded to love them more. And to remember them constantly. So since the mitzvah of the Sharesh is a constant mitzvah, each and every moment that we're wearing the mitzvah, we're wearing the, the tefillin, we are getting a mitzvah, Therefore, it's a mitzvah that has to do more than the Tzvil Shayad, which only has the kshira, only the nodding. A very scary Gemara. Scary Mishnah. Pirkei Avis. Tere tells Zakisham Be careful. Warrant, be, watch over your soul very much. Perhaps you will forget the things that your eyes see. Says the Mishnah. Anyone that forgets one thing from what he learned, Mishnah Pekiyavis. My love, a kosov, kilo mischayi benafshe. Tayyar is telling us here, it's as if God forbid, persons. Person going to Hashem has to be put to death. Capital punishment. Shneimat says, "Rakish Shama Lecha, Oshmen Ashkem Eid." Pentishka Chazavar Mashero Inecha. Hey, the whole thing is shocking. If you get one thing that you learned, 
is a capital punishment. That is something so severe. And God forbid a person needs to die for it. But the real explanation is, we're going to go again, we keep the score at home, the Gemara Menachis, this time Tzadik Tess, top of Amin Beis, 99, top of the second side. The reason that it's so severe, forgetting something we learned, because anyone that forgets something that he learned has transgressed a negative commandment. Why? Because we have an, a, we have a, um, an obligation to keep ourselves alive. It's an obligation. We need to live. Teda is heim chayenu verechimenu. Teda is our life and gives us longevity. Like water to the fish. Again, if you can score at home, the famous Gemara Misech is Berachas Samachalaf Amir Beis. 61 side 2. And therefore, if a person forgets, something goes out of his mind for one minute, they learn Teda, he's removing himself from his lifeline. And that's why he's transgressing. And this is also why you ultimately would say it's a capital thing to do, capital punishment. It's not in the boundaries of sin, of punishment. It's the simple outcome of forgetting. Since Torah is our lifeline, it's our soul, when you forget it, you're tearing away, you're turning yourself away from the lifeline. Like the Razal tell us, Misha, me, Mali, Mali, Katla, Kula, Katla, Palga. Again, keep his going home, you might have a Kama. Samach Dalar Manalov. Kill me a little bit or kill me a whole. Kill me halfway. So the fact that he's Mishayib and Afshay Palga, partially, he's turning his whole life inside out. He's, God forbid, sacrificing himself. As we said before, we mentioned that this week's Pasha tells us about the Tefillin. It tells us about Kriyashma. The holiest of all the sentences. Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Echod. Now, in Mishmedesh, in Shul, when we daven, we see many different ways people daven. For example, the Shema Yisrael. 
Mishnah. You have the person that says Shema Yisrael like he says Ashi Yotza. Shema Yisrael Shema Yisrael Shema Fact is, again in Gemara Brachas, Marach Be'echad, Marich Ne'yam Mishnah Yisrael. If that he who extends the word echad is given longevity, given long life. So at the very least, one should say the word echad a little longer. Then you have those that say Shema Yisrael for five minutes. It looks like they've captured about a dozen of angels and um, turned over approximately about 22 worlds. The fact is though, Shema Yisrael is a very, very big principle of the Jewish faith. In the belief that God is one. What's one? That there is nothing else other than God for the God. And that God is a true existence. And nothing exists outside of God. It's only God's will that causes anything else to exist. And the fact is, the truth to be told, that we don't really exist. We only think we exist. Because, but as I said many times, that the mere fact that God would one for, for one second forsake thinking about us, or recreating us, we would return to naught. So much so, we've said it a million times, in the middle of our conversation. If God decides that He's stopping the world for a few hundred years, and then resumes it exactly the way it is now, we'd never know. We wouldn't all of a sudden get very hungry, or very thirsty, or very tired, or feel very old. In Shariyich of Amunah, the second part of Tanya, Al-Tarebbe explains very, very great length the oneness of God. So, of course, this is there's a deeper meaning of Hashem is one. What's the idea hinted in one? In Echad? Let's go prior to that. What is the Pasuk telling us? Shema Yisrael. We said many times, we told that Shema Yisrael was said when Yaakov Avinu was lying on his deathbed, telling his children, reminding his children to keep the ways of Teda, the ways of God that he's been practicing all these years. Excuse me, his children turned to him and said, Shema Yisrael, Listen to us, our father Israel. Yaakov is known as Israel as well. 
Hashem, this God you talk about, Alekeinu is our God. And Hashem, Echad, is one God. Also, this brought down, which is why, of course, we find it together with the Seder Sedibis in St. Pasha, that during the recital of the Seder Sedibis, the Almighty said, Shema Yisrael, Onoichi Hashem Aleikecha. Hear, O Israel, I am God your God. To which the Jewish nation responded, Hashem Aleikeinu, God is our God. And then God says, You should not have any other God. And the Jews answered, Hashem Echad, God is one. Echad is three letters, Aleph, Ches, and Dalit, which is Gematria 13. But each letter has its own individual gematria. The ches is eight, which symbolizes the seven skies, seven heavens, and the earth. The dalit is four, represents the four directions of the heavens and the earth, which is north, south, east, and west. And of course the Aleph is one. And this represents the oneness of God. The singular existence of the master of everything, the heaven and the earth in all four directions. Just for the record, although we just spoke, one should always have in mind when they say the Pasuk Shema Yisrael. The Rebbe would move his head when he finished Echad in all four directions. Also implying or perhaps connecting with the four directions in Echad Dalit. One must be very careful to say Echad and not Echad. Etc. However, the word Echad is Lashon HaKedosh. The Holy Tongue. The sacred Hebrew language. The Torah was created Lashon HaKedosh. Mishnah Pirkeovus. Therefore, a word in Lashon HaKedosh is not... You can't argue about it. Each word reflects literally divine energy. And the object which has this name, this Lashon HaKedosh name on it, exists and an essential character comes from this. But all other languages are a human consensus. And their words don't necessarily reveal the true nature of an animal. When the Abish created the world, he took all the animals in front of other Marishan and he said, Name it! Give each thing a name. And he gave it a name according to 
what Teda, Vadashan Kedish, would be brought out through this creature. In Aramaic, though, if we look in the Targum, Targum Unculus, Echad is written Chad. The translation in Aramaic for Echad is Chad. We still have the eight, we still have the four, but we don't have that one. Which the God's singular existence will only be expressed in a word of Lashon HaKedish of Echad. And then there's Ve'ahavta Hashem Alekecha Love your God Bechol Levavcha with your entire heart Bechol Navshecha with all your soul Bechol Ma'idecha with all your might And the sages tell us Bechol Levavcha with all your Bechol Navshecha Bechol Ma'idecha even if it means giving up your life. The Gemara tells us again, if you keep in score at home, Barachas Samach Aleph, Ahmed Beis, 61, side 2. So, yeah. Tells us the famous story. The Romans took the Asarerug Malchus, the ten great sages, and they killed each one in the most horrific fashion. They took Rabbi Akiva out for execution. It was the time of reading Kriyashma. And they combed his, fe- his flesh with iron combs, heated iron combs. And he was saying the words of Shema Yisrael. His disciples say to him, Our teacher, even to this extent, is this not exaggerated? To which Rebekiva says, All my days I was distressed over the verse of with all your soul, which to means even if he takes your soul. I said, When will I have the opportunity to fulfill such a thing? In a normal lifestyle. One gets old, gets sick, and passes away. Where will that be? All my soul. Now that I have the actual opportunity, and they're killing me, Rachman al-Itzlan, for being Jewish, Al-Kiddush Hashem, I have the opportunity, and I should not fulfill it. Understand, the students of Rabbi Akiva then turned and said, Zuzcheda, 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 it was not a pleasant situation. They would not take this card blanche. But they were not simpletons. They were not simple people. Each one had stat- great stature. They weren't supply- surprised at all that Rabbi Akiva was so holy. And that he could suppress his pain of having his skin raked off his body and of his face to fulfill the mitzvah of Shema. But, the Shema says, Hashem Echad. 
which of course in the truest sense, tru- truest sense of the matter, of the word, means nothing else exists. What is the identity of all existence in this world? Is the will of God. God is causing it to happen. Therefore, Rebekiva's students sensed that by saying Shema at that moment, Rebekiva was proclaiming that he recognized God's oneness. Even being tortured to death for studying Teda, he recognized the oneness of God in the world. And this caused them to wonder, even at this point, can you do it? Could Rebekiva still identify God's singular existence? Even when these blasphemous people, creatures, were torturing him and attacking his God and his very terror. And Akiva, unfortunately for them, did not view it this way. He did not view his execution by the Romans something challenging God's oneness, and therefore he was proclaiming Shema. On the contrary, Akiva's eyes which were God's oneness in this world, meant that even negative experiences that don't contribute to the worship of God directly were also assisting him in his service to God indirectly. And by allowing him to commit to God in spite of them, this, says Ebekiva, all my life I aspired. I've yearned to fulfill the mitzvah of dedicating myself to God, even at a point of ultimate sacrifice. Since the Romans were offering him that opportunity, he saw the oneness of God, and therefore took it and seized the opportunity to say, Shema Yisrael. May, may, may we all merit the Tuba of, which is a special day, the holiest, happiest holiday that there is, bring us the ultimate joy even before Tubav, as we say tomorrow, Mincha already, we're not going to say Tachnun. And even before that already, from tonight, we should merit to the Geula, Amitis Vashlema, and the condolences, Nachmu, Nachmu Ami, should it be true condolences for each and every Jew, for the first temple, for the second temple, for any pain that any Jew has ever, God forbid, inflicted, they should be relieved of the pain they should be freed from the pain <clears throat> that will happen when we open our eyes and we see Mashiach Tzitkenu in front of us and we spend this Shabbos in Yerushalayim Irakedish, Shabbat Shalom to all